This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. I am and I will. Whoever you are, you have the power to reduce the impact of cancer for yourself, the people you love, and for the world. It's time to make a personal commitment. This is the theme for this year's World Cancer Day, and 2019 marks the launch of the three-year I Am and I Will campaign. I Am and I Will is an empowering call to action, urging personal commitment, and represents the power of individual action taken now to impact the future. In just a moment, you'll hear the inspirational story of Ashwak Asairi, cancer survivor and founder of Omniyati Charity in Saudi Arabia. Plus, for more insights on cancer today and what we can do to both treat it and prevent it, we're also going to be joined by Dr. Ali Adami, cancer surgeon from Harvard Medical School. You can send in your questions for both Ashwaq and Dr. Ali Adami right now. The text number is 4215, whether you're with Itisalat or do, or feel free to get in touch on Instagram as well. You can follow the show live now as well on YouTube. And if you're not following us already on social media, you can follow us at Pulse95 Radio so you don't miss a thing. We would love to hear your stories and have you share your experiences. It's our World Cancer Day special right here on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Today is World Cancer Day with a theme and campaign built to resonate, inspire, change and mobilize action long after the day has passed. It's a multi-year campaign and a chance to build global awareness and impact-driven action. Today, we are meeting Ashwaq Asairi. Asairi. I'm going to get it right. Yes, please. eventually. Asayadi. Ashwaq Asayadi. She is with us here uh, from Saudi Arabia, but she's also based here in the UAE. Somebody who is a cancer survivor and co founder of Amniati Charity in Saudi Arabia. Hello and welcome to the show. Hi, Sally. How are you? So great to have you with us, Ashwaq, uh, on this day, on World Cancer Day. Um, you have quite a story to share. And, you know, this is what we want uh, to hear today. We want to inspire hope we want to inspire action and this is exactly what you did so take us back you were diagnosed I think with lymph cancer in your 20s it was non-hodgkin lymphoma uh, and I was 22 or 21 2006 so long time back that's incredible you were 21 years of age yeah you just graduated from uni to be honest at the same summer so yeah you just graduated from university and what did you notice uh, at first that made you go to the doctor and think something's not right? So lucky enough, I mean, we, they call it cancer because usually it doesn't show any symptoms, right? But I was uh, lucky enough and fortunate enough to actually have some symptoms. So I started fainting every time I laugh. Wow. So uh, that was the first symptom. So um, every time I laugh so hard, I basically faint. And I don't faint like I drop just a soft kind of faint. So uh, you just that, kind of felt yourself going. Yes, and then I like I pass out for like a few seconds, and then I wake up 
what's happening. So that was the first symptom. And then a um, few days in or after like a week or something, uh, my face started to get puffy. As so you know, like, you know, the Lebanese bread. It's like it was so big. Like when Lebanese. it pops up in the oven. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Um, and then I could not really breathe well. And that's where I actually went to the hospital. And you um, thought exactly. something's not right. Yeah. 100%. It took them about a week to basically um, get it right or to understand what was it because there was a lot of confusing uh, markers, you know, the blood markers and everything that was not really conclusive. So um, after a week, basically, the doctor sat me down and I was like, listen, we have good news and bad news. Um, you have cancer, but it's 90% curable, yet 95% with a chance of um, you getting it back. So it's in between, right? Wow, wow. So um, lucky enough, I uh, started uh, treatment right away. What was your reaction at that point? Being so young and just having these symptoms, did it feel like they came out of nowhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And I mean, I, I did not, you know, just one day I was sitting with, with a group of friends, and then they're sharing a funny story about someone else's mom. Uh, in the hospital <laughs> and then I started just laughing and fainting and then I thought oh maybe it's just I'm stressed out I'm tired so let me rest but it kept happening more than once and your reaction to the doctor when the doctor said that to you I was like ha 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 you're laughing <laughs> yeah you were just like uh, I was like are in, you sure in disbelief I was like are you sure do your job again and you do your do all the checkups again but it was not it was cancer Wow. And then I started crying, of course. Yeah. A lot of because, crying. Of course, the first of all, uh, you've got the denial. Exactly. And then it all sets in for you. Yeah. And so tell us about that. Tell us about, you know, uh, what you did after that and how you handled it, both emotionally and physically. So emotionally at the beginning, it was the toughest period because I was just graduating from university. I had, you know, the word... I want to conquer the world, as they say. I want to do my PhD. I want to do a blah, blah, blah. I want to work. It's that it's like, age. Of course. Like, you know, yeah. I have full possibilities, all potential, right? But what happened is that it took me about some time. It hit me hard, right? Because at, in 2006, I'm not sure, guys, here, what, what is the story. But where I come from, it was not something common. It was not something common. It was not something that you hear of. You hear of someone's, 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 someone's friend had it, but not someone you know not me not someone in, even in my circle exactly so it was a lot to handle uh, emotionally to be honest um and it took me about i remember very well it took me about a week i was moving from one couch to another basically you know very depressed kind yeah. of uh, kind of a person but then it hit you and i don't know what was the turning point to be honest but it just hit me like this one day that um it's not the flu it will not go away in one week or two weeks it's actually stuck with me for about 10 years. So it's either I get on with it and handle it and carry it with me and move on with my life where I want to be actually, or just, you know, surrender to it and let it eat me alive, you know? So that was uh, the turning point for me, basically. That's amazing. And mm -hmm. so tell us about uh, how your life changed in that moment when you made that realization. Oh, a lot of things. So actually, before I get cancer or get the news, um, I applied for a scholarship uh, to do my master's. And then within in the middle of all the treatments and everything, I got my, you know, back in the day, the uh, anyone who qualifies, 
um, their name gets into the newspaper. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's like blah blah blah. Ashwaq Sayari. Um, and basically, I got and I got accepted at the scholarship uh, from the government. And what happened is, I'm gonna move on with my life. I'm gonna take the all the permissions needed uh, or the approvals needed for me to do this master degree, yet continue my treatment and follow my life where I want to be. It's just something that I'm carrying on with me. It doesn't have to weigh me back or hold me, right? And that's it. So basically, I lived in London for three years where I did a little bit of English course and then I did my master's. And then I came back to Saudi in around 2009, 10, 10. And then I work, started working normal life until I was declared 100% cancer free in uh, 2015. Mabrook, thank you. That's amazing. Uh, I want to ask you about the treatment. What was that like? Ah, treatment was uh, very tough, to be honest, yeah. on the body and emotionally, to be honest. Because um, when it comes to physical symptoms, you get really worn out, right? And I always tell them. So what I did, let me just take you a little step back. So I did chemotherapy around 10 sessions or 11 sessions. Uh, I did radiotherapy for about three months every day for five minutes. And then I did something called maintenance therapy. And then after maintenance therapy, I did another maintenance therapy session, which was every three months. Mm. It's like to make sure 100% that it does not reoccur again. So the toughest, I would say, was the chemotherapy. Um, why? Because, you know, I'm a female, so my hair was very um, important to me, to be honest. And then you start, you know, you don't know the disease. To be honest, I did not know anything about cancer. I did not know anything. And there was no, not a proper orientation. You know, what's going to happen to you? The doctor is very stiff. I mean, he's a doctor. He right. would just tell you, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. You need to move on. They're very straightforward. Exactly, which was good because they give you both. They don't give you false, you know, I don't know how to say, but, you know, they don't give you false, you know, hopes or anything. They're just very direct. And I respect them for that. It's their job and they need to... Um, what is the right word? They need to make sure that uh, to align pa their patient expectations. Right, right. So uh, with the chemotherapy, I started losing my hair. And that was the toughest bit uh, for me, to be honest. Um, there is this um, funny thing. Uh, I, to some At some point, I could not listen to anything that has hair in it or rumoush or anything. I remember this Sabah song, uh, I could not even listen to this song. <laughs> Rumush just, meaning eyelashes. Yes, you sorry, couldn't eyelashes. even hear like I know, I just started uh, breaking you know, tears wow. uh, to this extent. It was very intense, to be honest. But again, there was a lot of funny stories because uh, at some point I was staying at um, my friend's house, right? And then I took a shower, I came out, I sat in the lounge, like in the living area. I'm fine, I didn't do anything, right? And then... Um, one of my friends comes out, who finished the shampoo? And she looks at me. I was like, I don't have hairs. Don't look at me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a journey that yeah. made me definitely, definitely made me stronger and made me the person who I am today. Incredible. Uh, it's an amazing journey. Well done to you for not only getting through it, but continuing that journey it really does continue for you because now you've started your Omniati charity as well. And so coming up after the break, I want to ask you about that, ask you about moving forward beyond cancer and then for giving sure. others hope as well. You're listening to Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast.
Life Beats, Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. We are in conversation this morning with the incredible Ashwaq Asayadi. I got it right. Yes. yes, I did. It's 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 a beautiful, heavy name. It's not an easy name. Asayadi. We got it right. Ashwaq Asayadi. She is here uh, sharing her story uh, with getting cancer, with beating cancer. Um, but one of the things uh, that is not talked about so much, uh, Ashwaq, is how friends and family react and kind of the challenges that are faced there as well. What was your experience like? So my friends and family, to be honest, one of the things that I'm also grateful for, um, that I had an amazing, amazing, amazing support group. My family was 100% and very, very supportive. And all of my friends, you know, all of them. And really, you know, having that love and having that support group um, really push you forward, mm. right? And help you to continue. And, and when you see them taking care of you, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. But but sometimes it was suffocating um, because they care so much. They love you so much. They want to make be to make sure that you are 100 percent fine. Sometimes it's enough to ask once, how are you? Um, I don't need to be reminded that uh, I'm sick. Right. Because the more you ask, the more that there is something. Right. And if I say I'm fine, then I'm fine. Um, but sometimes it was not enough for them because they know that I'm suffering or I'm just a little bit tired. But um, as I said, they were very supportive. But um, at the same time, um, the more they used to push for an answer, the more it was uh, difficult for me. Yeah, it makes it more difficult for you. And that's the thing, because th- those of us who don't haven't been through it, who don't know somebody who's been through it, sometimes we try to overcompensate and we try to... Um, you know, a bit too hard, a bit too much. And like you said, for you, that makes it uncomfortable. Yes, because it's a constant reminder. Mm. Because sometimes I just want to forget for a second that uh, I have cancer. You know, just uh, treat me normally. And sometimes they're just very, you know, make sure that the AC and the right temperature, make sure that, you know, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, make sure that, you know, the ambience is like everything is, is, is good, right? But... It makes me feel weird because normally if we go out or if we just gather in someone's house, it would not be this staged. Right. You right, know, exactly. And then, you know, there's this big elephant in the room that is no one is speaking about. But um, but, you know, I, I was very transparent and I used to tell them, guys, I said, I'm fine. Just let me be. And if I am tired, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. So I'd say one of the things that I couldn't uh, take, for example, that I could not smell food. Oh, wow. uh, okay. Due to the one of the things that happened to me from the chemotherapy, that every time I have a strong smell, perfume or uh, food, I get uh, nausea. I get like, I like I want to vomit. I was like a pregnant lady. Right. It's uh, like morning sickness. Exactly. I get morning sickness every time I smell something very strong. Wow. So I used to share that with them in order for them to take care of whatever perfume they put, of whatever food, let's say if they are serving dinner, then please put the food on the table, let the room breathe a little bit, mm-hmm. and then let call me in. Yeah. You know, all these small things. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's an it was a learning journey, both for me and for them, because it was new to everyone. Exactly. Right? Um, so, yeah, it was like this, basically. Uh, and now 
you've taken that experience of yours uh, and you've turned it around to make sure that others who are uh, have cancer, who are going through these things, uh, that they have something to look forward to as well. So tell us about uh, what you decided to do there. So so basically, when when um, a few years back, when I came back in 2010, uh, I started to do um, to establish Omniety, which was with my sister, to be honest. And uh, we started. Omniety means my wish. My wish, and yeah. it was to be honest, we we got the idea from Make a Wish Foundation. Uh, it was just for us something similar, very small that we're trying to make to do good. Mm. And I went to the same hospital that I was diagnosed in uh, at the beginning, uh, where they have a big cancer um, department, and we teamed up with the social workers there where we every when they have a case they give us a call we either talk to the parents um just to show them that i'm a living example i had cancer i survived it i went you know i i continued my life i continued my study i'm working and it was with cancer you know it was not like without cancer Mm. so life is still good just to give a little bit hope to the parents and also to give hope to the patients themselves. Sometimes it was very difficult because they tell you that this is a lost hope or a lost case, unfortunately. But any hope, I guess it's a good it's a good thing. And we just, you know, case by case, the social workers would call us and we go visit. And then the best part is that, you know, like we do have uh, an on Eid, Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr. So basically the night of the Eid, so before the Eid, we go get a lot of gifts, money. You know, best thing about Eid is having giving money or of getting course. money yeah, from the other idea. side. Of course, so it's a really exciting thing. So we get all of this. We organize a program, like we get a clown or everything, and of course we take notes of all the doctor's notes. I mean, that's not, nothing with dust, for example, because the kids they are allergic or their immune system is very low, right? So. We prepare something and we go celebrate Eid with the families because families, they go celebrate the Eid with their sick kids in the hospital. Of course. So you find the whole family sitting in one room um, and they're trying to celebrate and it was very depressing. So uh, we started doing that and we've been doing that since. Um, we celebrate Eid with the kids and their families and we try to just bring some bring some joy uh, to their hearts and to their um, you know Eid. It's, it's, it's something small, but I guess uh, and I hope that the, whatever impact is, was really powerful because giving hope, I guess it was the best thing that the doctor and the people around me gave me. That's amazing. That is hope. amazing because uh, I think we underestimate the little things like that and how important they are and what an impact they really can have when somebody shows you that they care. Uh, somebody show, shows you joy in a time when you know, you're not feeling well, you're not feeling your best, you're feeling sick, you're going through a lot. To have that, those moments of joy? Amazing, to be honest, because yeah. you're not giving only joy and happiness to the patient himself, but also to a lot, to his family. Sometimes you have seven people in one room and, you know, their, their brothers or her brothers, um, they're sitting around in a hospital and it's supposed to be Eid. Mm. So why not make everyone happy and, and just celebrate it, right? I love it. Uh, we are going to be continuing the conversation with Ashwaq in just a moment. And as well as that, we are going to be speaking to a specialist oncologist, Dr. Ali Adami, as well. More to come on Life Beats on Pulse95 right after this. 
This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. And it is now time to be joined on the line by Dr. Ali Adami. Hello and welcome, Dr. Ali. Hi, welcome. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much. Now, um, the World Health Organization has said that uh, one in three people are going to be diagnosed with cancer by 2030. And you yourself, a specialist oncologist, a surgeon, in fact, um, tell us more about, you know, why we are seeing what seems like an epidemic in cancer. It's uh, a real statistic that's uh, causing anxiety, but at the same time, we should deal with it with uh, uh, action. We should deal with it with a sense of uh, uh, urgency and with hope. Um, Due to the environmental changes, uh, exposure to chemicals, uh, increasing industry, fumes, uh, processed food, uh, there's few studies that have shown that uh, worldwide obesity is increasing. That's causing uh, imbalance in our immune system. It's causing imbalance in the way we fight um, changes in our body. And cancer is a change in a cell that is uncontrolled and starts growing in a fashion that's uh, uncontrolled and develops into a mass, and it's what we call a cancer. There's more people who smoke uh, uncontrollably uh, using... Um, alcohol in a way that's damaging their body. Uh, all these factors have led to this uh, alarming statistic uh, that one in three people, according to the WHO, um, studied statistics based on research from multiple places, that uh, one in three people are at risk of developing this disease in 2030. And um, it should uh, raise concern and uh, ring the bells of uh, danger in a positive way that, uh, one, we need to um, expose the population to the idea of screening, idea of regular checkups. Previously, and in many cultures, people uh, tend to shy away uh, from checking. They say, okay, why would I go and do a screening test, uh, find something that uh, I don't feel? Uh, What we really need to know and send a message across that uh, cancer doesn't develop uh, over day and night. It's a small cell that starts as a small change in uh, part of the body, whether it's the lung, the colon, the stomach, uh, and then uh, grows over time. So... For example, let's talk about mammograms. If we do a survey in uh, Dubai, for example, uh, not every female above 40 has had one mammogram in her life. Not every single female. Statistics show that about 60% of females above the age of 40 haven't had their mammogram. Uh, Above age of 55, people should seek uh, colonoscopy uh, to check their colon for what we call tiny polyps, small changes that takes 15 years to develop into bowel cancer. How many people do we know above age of 55 actively go and seek proper medical advice? When I say proper medical advice, it's very important because we have to put a real clarification and a line between 
business orienting um, medicine, which just is based on doing all checkouts, whether they're necessary or not, and between uh, evidence-based checkups uh, uh, given by consultants who are experts in their field. You've raised some uh, really, really excellent points there, uh, Dr. Uh, Dami. Now, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions about that. So um, when you say uh, the importance of screening, yes, mammograms, we hear so much about that. But are there other uh, symptoms? Are there other things that we should be um, aware of as well? I mean, I, I guess I'm thinking, you know, what are kind of uh, the biggest problems that you see when people come to you in terms of cancers? That's an excellent question. Uh, when people develop symptoms, it's usually uh, a tumor that's gone from a simple pre-stage one, pre-stage one, into a stage two or stage three. So this is what we exactly find in the method because don't wait to develop symptoms. If you wait to develop symptoms, then you are at the risk of you taking a gamble. You could be diagnosed by stage one, or diagnosed by stage three or uh, because remember it's a process that takes years. Mm. If you check up before you develop symptoms and you are at a highly chance of finding out things when they are three stage one. So and this is very well recognized in uh, places and institutes and countries where there is a proactive screening program. So if you test early, you diagnose people as a pre-stage one, you do what's necessary, and people live for many, 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 many years. Mm. Unfortunately, in our region, due to lack of this first uh, knowledge about this problem and uh, the personal responsibility. So the most important thing that we have as humans is our health and our mentality, our spirit. Uh, you need to be physically healthy. You need be mentally healthy, and part of this mental healthness, you, you take responsibility for your own health. And by performing these checkups, understanding you, everyone is at risk of developing this disease, whether they've been eating healthy all their life, whether they've been exercising all their life, at a certain age, they need to start doing checkups. For females, for example, cervical cancer is a problem. In places, in some places in the world, this has been eliminated. There's no more cervical cancer cases because all females above the age of 20 get checked up. If they find that they have pre-cancer changes, get treated adequately and swiftly so patients don't develop symptoms and don't develop disease. It's vital. It's vital to get those screenings done and to remember to do it. Cervical yes. cancer, uh, mammograms. For men, doctor, what would you be your recommendation? For men, uh, according to the international guidelines, colonoscopy above the age of 50, so they need to check their colon. In places, people who come from places of family members who come from uh, a pedigree that has gastric cancer, need to do an endoscopy for the stomach above the age of 50. Prostate, they need to check above the age of 50. For smokers who've smoked for a long time, they need to do a CT chest, not a chest, but a CT chest above the age of 55. 
Uh, something uh, important that I want to ask you about as well, Doctor, is we've gotten texts. Uh, this one from Leila. Uh, she has actually texted in asking uh, about things like green tea. Um, she has read that green tea is able to stop cancer cells from growing. Um, every now and then we hear things like this uh, coming out in studies in the media. Um, how true is that and how much of a role can food play? in either preventing cancer or in uh, in alleviating it? Our understanding of uh, how cancer develops, uh, the role of antioxidants, which is there in uh, green tea and fruits um, and some herbals, all these have uh, antioxidant capacity that protects the body, that increases the immune system. There's more and more studies that have shown that the uh, more you focus on your immune system, your immune system can actually uh, control any cancerous cells before they start developing into a real tumor. Um, uh, we believe as uh, cancer specialists and people who do surgery on cancer patients that, yes, you need to have a balanced uh, lifestyle. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen people develop cancer even at the healthiest. Uh, background and the healthiest uh, diet. So it's a combination of factors. I hope it's not simple that we could say that there's a drug or there is a, uh, a way of life or, or a diet that would protect us, but that's not the case. Uh, we believe that uh, a balanced lifestyle, both in diet, health, and protecting yourself from stress, and doing your early checkups. There is no substitute. And, and staying away from uh, things that we know are associated with damaging of the cell. So we know that alcohol, smoking, drug, uh, the use of processed food and chemicals and staying around uh, facilities that con- uh, contain fumes, uh, obesity, uh, are all uh, uh, cancers mm. and are all uh, uh, factors that uh, trigger uh, cells to start uh, changing and um, uh, uh, turning into cancer. All fantastic points there, Doctor. But I just want to ask you finally, what's the one biggest change that people can make today to prevent cancer where possible? I think the most positive thing uh, a person has to do is uh, have think positively and take responsibility for their own action and their blessing. And that's by taking full control about uh, their life. So yes, it's a right thing. Yes, it's, I can't tell you just eat something or stop doing something. No, just sit between you and yourself and say, you know, I am responsible for my life. I need to think positively. I need to spread the, the uh, message of love and hope to myself. That, okay, I've been giving this body. I need to look after it. Find out what's causing it damage. Find out that, okay, eating too much sugar, uh, eating too much carbs, not going to the gym, having alcohol, having lots of smoking. By the end of the day, you are damaging the most valuable thing that you have. Thinking too much, worrying too much, stressing too much are all factors that associated with bad health. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Ali Adami, cancer surgeon from Harvard Medical School. Uh, amazing advice, and thank you so much for joining us today on World Cancer Day. 
You're welcome and have a lovely day. Thank you and you. Uh, we are going to be continuing the conversation next. We would love to hear from you, your experiences, your questions as well. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Ashwak in just a moment. More to come on Life Beats after this. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. We are talking cancer on World Cancer Day, and uh, we just heard from Dr. Ali Adami, a cancer surgeon from Harvard Medical School, and uh, he uh, is uh, at various events this morning, but uh, giving us some real insights into cancer what are the what is he seeing right now what should we be doing about it a great uh interview there with him but also in the studio with us Ashwaq Sayari she is a cancer survivor somebody who's incredibly strong and powerful and inspirational but Ashwaq it's it wasn't always that way and that's that's something that's important to say that you know sometimes you do need that time and you do need to go through that journey exactly 100% i mean Having gone through the lows made me made me really reach my highest potential or made me really, um, you know, get, um, you know, move on. Yeah. Right. Because I took time to accept and deal my and deal with my feelings. Um, you know, we're all about these days about not being uh, about being positive all the time. But I don't believe in this. Yes, of course, you need to have a positive outlook. But if I am not feeling well today, if I am not feeling good today or now, I need to recognize this feeling and feel it because it's it's part of life. We feel, right? So we feel it and then we move on. Of yeah. course, with, 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 with the intention and with the understanding that you need to get out of it. But you need to give it its justice, give it its time. Um, and some people, they just maybe get into it for so much and those where we need to help them to see the other half of the glass or to see the light, as they say, at the end of the tunnel. But I, I'm, I'm a real, I'm a big believer on um, dealing with your emotion. And yes, um, I was telling you earlier in the break, um, I had some days that I could not even go to my master classes. I mean, you couldn't I, get out of bed. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed because I was just very not feeling well. Yeah. You know, in, in my head, I was thinking that, oh God, I'm going to die. And it just sometimes I could I could not get out of bed. Um, and, you know, it goes from day to night and I'm just sitting in my bed doing nothing. But again, the second day you pick up yourself or I picked up myself and I went to class and, you know, I had an amazing people around me as well, whether they are my friends or my family or people who come and check up on me and they just call me, right, to just make sure that I am doing what I should be doing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I'm a big believer on giving, taking your time, um, releasing that emotion. But of course, not to get too much into it because then it turns out into a depression. You, you, you need to do it with the intention of just getting it out of your system and yes. then moving on as well. Um, your thoughts on what Dr. Uh, Adami was uh, talking about in terms of uh, prevention. The, the interesting thing for you was that you you couldn't have prevented uh, the cancer that came to you. I mean, exactly. And the cancer doesn't have age or gender or color or anything, right? Mm. And I could not prevent it. I just had symptoms. I got those symptoms checked. Again, I always say I am 
one of the luckiest that I got my symptoms early on. Stage uh, two was early, considered to be very early. Um, stage one, two, to be honest, now it's all vague for me, <laughs> but I got it. You know, I, I got it early on and I was lucky. And, you know, this, I guess uh, one of the um, uh, uh, listeners, her name is Layla, right? Mm-hmm. She's asked about um, green tea. the green tea. I was a big green tea drinker. Wow. All the time I used to drink green tea. It was part of my habits, part of my daily routine. You know, everything had, you know, it needed to have a green tea after. Mm. Um, but it didn't prevent. Maybe it helped through, you know, my body was stronger or it was not that, you know, I got out of it very, you know, um, not very easy because it was not easy. But it helped me through my process, uh, my treatment uh, process, but uh, it didn't prevent it. As yeah. doc- I agree 100% with Dr. Ali on this, to be honest, because... Um, yeah, maybe it's something that would help you make your body stronger, but it would not stop cancer because right. it's 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 cancer. It's basically we all have those cells, but it's not active. And once it gets becomes active, then it becomes it turns into a cancer cell. And that's something could be triggered by anything. I'm no doctor, right? But mm-hmm. this is my own kind of it could be triggered by anything, by stress, by I don't know what, by genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I agree with him. Early checkups are very, very important. Vital, yeah. Um, whether for men or women. Um, again, there is no, I'm too young, I'm too healthy. Um, uh, I don't have cancer in my family because I didn't have cancer history in my family. Um, so the important thing really is to listen to your body. Exactly. And get checked up. Uh, like he said, sometimes there are no symptoms and you need to go for screenings anyway. Um, uh, Shwak, we're almost out of time. Your final words? I would say fa- cancer is a journey. Yeah. So uh, take it with you, put it in your bag and move on. Whether it's, it's, it's you, it's your loved one, it's your family, it's all... Um, we're, I mean, you guys are all, we are all in this uh, and it's even the family they're all into this so don't make it hold you or stop you it's just part of your life for now and then definitely you will lose that part and you will uh, survive it and you will win this journey you will win this battle very powerful words uh, Ashwaq Sayadi thank you so much thank you very much been... by, by now you've just perfected my, the name <laughs> <laughs> Never too late. Uh, amazing journey. But uh, we we look forward to seeing what's next for you, what's going to be coming up from you, because I have a feeling it's going to be amazing. So thank you. But can coming. Say, yes. Yes. I mean, can you guys all join us on the 8th of uh, February, please, for the Cancer Walk yes. in Zabil Park, yes. uh, Dubai? We will be honored to have you. There's the, the Cancer Walk. Uh, make sure you are part of it. Show your support wherever you can. Whether it's at the cancer walk or any which way, you can share your support. Uh, do it. It is just vital. Thank you so much for the reminder, uh, Ashwaq. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.